at Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hey, hello, everyone. It's, uh, I guess it's Syracuse is a top 15 football program week. Top 15 football top program. 15, really. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. I don't care. It's pretty awesome. I thought when we won, I thought there was like a a realistic, if not overwhelming, chance that we'd crack the top 15. And the fact that we jumped almost everyone that lost and got up to 13 in in both polls, and I guess we'll find out tomorrow night about the college football playoff poll, but, like, that's nuts. Yeah, I mean, we can get into the playoff poll a little bit, like, later. I'm going to write an article about it for Tuesday. I think this might not go up till Wednesday. We'll see. Um, I, I think, in general, like, we're getting credit for beating NC State, hanging tough with uh, with Clemson on the road. And, like, the pit loss looks better and better by the week. Um, so, really, like, we don't have, we don't have, like, that, that embarrassing loss or that, that negative, that glaring negative that a lot of two and three loss teams have right now, which is great. Yeah, like, all of our results are, like, like outright good or at least, like, pretty easily explainable. And even, like, you know, UNC, we didn't blow out, but there have been a number of teams that haven't blown out UNC. So it's not like like they've been relatively competitive enough where like even going to overtime with them isn't like the glaring thing. Um, it is for like S and P Plus, which I'm sure people are are very upset about. But um, in terms of like what you actually need to be, do to rank it, if we've performed, you know, we probably should have beaten Pitt, but we've performed at least in like within a standard deviation of where we were supposed to perform every game, and we've won a bunch of them. Um, we're probably outperforming our, our win loss for once is probably uh, outperforming our Pythagorean model uh, by a, by a couple wins I would guess if I you know went through and crunch that but um, overall it's nice to like you know be reasonably sure that your team is going to do what it's supposed to on a week to week basis even if like on the the granular level it sometimes looks weird or we get some like weird moments. Yeah, I mean I know you and me talked about it last year how you know SU was getting like zero percent you know win chance and things like that like at the end of these games that we were losing by a touchdown now you're seeing kind of like what the next step in that progression is which is like is us having a 27 percent chance to beat wake and winning yeah, and still winning anyway. points. <laughs> yeah like and, and and that's kind of what what's causing the issue for people that like want to buy into s&p and like can't right now and like i don't blame them necessarily like obviously like you and i like really believe in it there there's but bill even has, has even said that it's, it's far from perfect. It's been shifted a little bit this year to be a little bit more predictive. You also have the issue of, you know, with more conference games uh, countrywide, it becomes harder to normalize the numbers. Um, I also think, and I posited this theory uh, in the comments section, that there could be a, a bit of a problem where if you're penalizing a lack of efficiency, does that favor ball control? Um, over over up tempo? Because obviously, like if you score for thir- if you score 12 out of 15 times, um, and had like 12 out of 15 like successful drives in some way, shape, or form. Like you're still having more successful drives, but your percentage isn't going to be as good as a ball control team that that has 10 out of 10 successful drives. 
Yeah, our, our team in general is just like a very interesting look into like how the Bill C stuff works because our SME Plus is clearly uh, much lower than you would expect for a 7-2 and two team that's ranked in the top 13. Um, but he still projects us to, with a you know a reasonable chance of 9 or 10 wins. Um, and, and, you know, he has us a, a very, you know, I think we'd all think that at this point that there's a better than 83% chance that we beat Louisville, but he projects it as a 16-point win, so that's pretty healthy. Um, but overall, like, uh, if you have to look at the five factors, um, you know, we're like average in a couple, uh, we're, we're not great in defensive explosiveness. We go a bit plays, which we know. And then it's just the turnovers and the field position, which are such big factors that have been so obvious, uh, especially this year, like this year, if you didn't think though, like if you thought those were overblown things in terms of how you win a football game, this Syracuse team is telling you, like it's slapping you across the face with it. We are number one in overall S&P uh, special teams. We are number one in offensive field position. We are number seven in defensive field position. And we are plus, like, what are we, what are we plus 12 in turnover margin? Uh, yeah, um, I believe so. And, like, crazy turnover luck. And uh, we've had opportunistic defense. Like, we're doing all the things there that lead to wins where you can survive the occasional uh, mediocre offensive performance. Like, I thought our offensive performance was pretty mediocre in its wake. But when you have good field position and forced key turnovers, you get 41 points. Um, it's just like it shows how how you you know have the sausage of a seven and two team that might be average in terms of advanced profile, um, but still not really winning games or not supposed to win. How that all comes together. Yeah, I mean this is why I love this system because you're looking at you know a team that can sleepwalk to 40 points, and 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 it, you have to really try to see how like a Scott Schaefer team could like struggle to get to 40 points, and, and, and like really effort to get there. So it's Scott uh, Schaefer team we were like thrilled if they got to 30. Yeah, and this team if we're held to 30, that's a problem. I mean this year we've gotten held to 30 once, twice, tw- twice. Yeah, One twice. was a win over Florida State where our quarterback was just, like, not a factor. Our, our star quarterback was not a factor for a half. And the second was a loss at the second-best team in the country that we almost won. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, like, trying to close out this conversation a little bit, because I know, like, this can the, the number stuff can be boring via audio. Um, the good thing for, like, Syracuse is that, and, and it explains a lot, is that, you know, that field position stuff and the turnovers are feeding one another. And, and the expert special teams play, it's all feeding one another. So, like, being good at one of those things is great. Being good at all three of those those things is is a very, very lethal combination for opponents. And to see Syracuse, you know, being able to put those, those, those things together and being able to beat... I mean, it's not as if we're facing that easy of a schedule either. I know, like, I've seen several pieces of commentary that we haven't really played anybody. Um, not true, for one, <laughs> obviously. But, like, even Bill's numbers... You know, to, to show that it's not necessarily Bill's numbers like unfair, like seeing our schedule unfairly, like has this 29th and strength of schedule and strength of resume. Like, so no, it's not 13th, but it's also not all the way down to 58. So it really is an no, efficiency it's pretty, thing. It's a pretty middling power five schedule. And like, and we're in the harder division in the ACC. So it's not like, like the much harder division. We'd probably, we'd be in that mix to win the coastal. Um, if not the favorites to win the Toastal if we were over there. So, um, yeah, I think you'll definitely take it. And 
Uh, it's just nice to have a team that just does, like, has that, like, secret sauce that gets you over the hump versus so many other years we finished 4-8, and eight, but we're like, yeah, but we really felt better than that. And, like, there were so many games that we just couldn't quite get it. And, like, the two games we did lose, we couldn't quite get there, but you're not going to win all the coin flips, but we're winning our reasonable percentage of coin flips, and then we're, you know, winning outright in a bunch of other games that, you know, sometimes we struggle through. So um, it's, very, it's very comforting to have a team that actually goes and plays uh, up to... I think they do play up to opponents a bit and, and sometimes down to opponents still, but they play up to expectations and you can like at, at leave a game feeling like reasonably certain that they um, had a chance to win or, or went outright and, and just did it. So um, definitely a, a nice change for the, basically the entire history of my Syracuse fandom and I'm sure <laughs> yours too. Um, I know that like, you know, the, the, the elders foretold of a, a day when this was normal um, and hopefully we get back to that. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, like, I was a fan growing up, but I don't necessarily have, like, the detail to go with it that I had, like, once I got onto campus. Um, if you look at, like, Bill's numbers, we have seven wins, obviously, but we're only expected, I think, at 5.4 uh, to show kind of how wildly things have swung in the other direction. I think that actually speaks to, you know, and we talked about this during the offseason, how Dino Babers has, you know, outperformed. Uh, so once again, like, he's adding another feather to that cap. Uh, which is great, and there's a lot of really good coaches also on there. I think Pat Fitzgerald being one of the other no- most notable coaches. And uh, this year aside, uh, you know, Kenton Niamatololo over at uh, at Navy, another one who, who regularly does that. Um, I-, I think, too, like, it is just, it-, it is also, like, it speaks to the schedule, and, and I-, I haven't needed to be on this soapbox because this year's schedule was so smart, and the next, like, couple are pretty smart, too. Um where it, it looks at where we were, and it says, okay, we're going to put three winnable games on here. Like Western Michigan should have been more winnable, um, admittedly, if we were looking at like teams that we wanted to schedule there. But uh, schedule a team that we could beat. We did beat them on the road. Um, beat UConn, beat Wagner. So, like, when you start off, it, it should show everyone who's on the, like, schedule more difficult train. If you start off with three wins, and, and you know who knows if we can upset Notre Dame, maybe, maybe not. Um, you start off with three wins in non-conference, you're in a much, much better place. Like, goes back to that, like you know, and 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 this year might blow this up. My usual theory of like Syracuse wins four games, loses four games every season. It's what happens in the middle that kind of dictates the rest of it. Um, might end up winning more than 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 eight games and, and losing obviously less than four games this year. So. Not, not a bulletproof theory, but um, after years and years of losing all these toss-ups, so far we've been winning them all, um, which is nice. And, uh, I mean, I'd be, I'd be content most years with just winning half of them. That should be enough to get you to a bowl uh, more often than not. Yeah, I mean, I think we most reasonable Syracuse fans have said, like, if we're in the 6-8 to eight win, uh, win range most years, and, you know, occasionally we'll have a, a down season for one reason or another, and then occasionally we'll play up and, and maybe flirt with 10 wins, like... And, and that's kind of the general area that we occupy, I think we'd mostly be happy with that. Now, the problem with college football is that once schools and coaches get to that place, they tend to not get happy with that. But we can deal with that when we get to, you know, if we get there. But overall, like, it seems it seems like we're, we're starting to crest over to that, that area of the world for the first time in so, so long. Um, and it's a pretty nice feeling, and and the thirteenth ranking is funny. Uh, it, it's it's it feel. I mean, it's awesome to be able to flaunt it. I'm sure if you gave truth serum to any Syracuse fan, you'd be like, they'd tell you, no, we are not the thirteenth best team in the country. But who cares? Like the polls are dumb anyway. So let's just enjoy it while we can. And 
hopefully we continue to make it look good. And and right now the nice thing is like I think we're in a good spot where we we win this Louisville game. Um, as long as we don't get like absolutely, it'd be hard for us to drop out of the rankings if we beat Louisville after losing another game, no matter what. And then as long as we perform well in those last two games, we'll probably be ranked heading to the bowls. Like even if we have like a slide down in the twenties, like we'd have to really get exposed in those last two games to fall out. Yeah, and granted, we could. There, there are two teams could. that could definitely run the ball and have quality offensive lines. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't put it out of the question yet, especially when you look at kind of what the secondary. Um, has has appeared to be in in, in recent weeks, um, but you know the, we we have plenty of time to talk about that. Um, obviously, you know in the second half we'll talk about the Louisville game a little bit. Um, I'm just happy to see that, like again, you know the I wrote this in the article on Sunday, kind of like the you know the the, the random number generator, the pendulum, whatever you want to call it, um, happens to swing Syracuse's way, and 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 it'd be nice to just see our even if it's just for this season, but I hope it's longer. Um, be nice to see that kind of you know swing in our direction, and and when you look back at the 2018 standings, you see you know okay who are those random teams that are in there, and like maybe Syracuse's name is on there um, in, in the in the final top 25, and like plenty of other schools have had that opportunity. It, it would be nice to add our names that's get to that list, and again, hopefully that becomes less random over time as we become fixtures, even if it's just at the bottom of the top 25 a couple times a year. Yeah, I mean, that's just such a step up from where we've been. And, and I think, like, you know, had the 2012 schedule worked out differently and not been, A, stunned stupidly to begin with, and then, B, had that Mizzou game uh, foisoned on us. Not that we, you know, we ended up winning that one. But had we handled that whole situation better, um, you know, we probably would have gotten there that year because I think we were good enough uh, by, by year's end. But um, it is nice to finally, like, have these things work out where we had a, a, a reasonable schedule. We started winning these games that we weren't supposed to. Um, we started winning more importantly the games that we are supposed to, uh, and and things just falling into line. It seems like we're kind of rolling as a program right now, which is nice. Um, and and you know if you end the year ranked, there's a good chance we would enter next year ranked because people kind of know the name Tommy DeVito. They could easily look and see like, oh, it's Ivan Dungey. A lot of this roster is back, um, and that's where you start to like, you know, be being ranked. Uh, at the end of a season and then at the start of a season when you can like have like that full off season to just be in the conversation would be would be really big i think yeah i think it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment obviously just from uh from college football media like national media even even folks who try to cover a, a, as far you know a, a reach as possible um you know beyond just the power programs really don't talk about us a ton and don't really have a lot to say about us and i can't necessarily blame them for it i'm not going to sit around like we do with basketball if a team if a you know, pundit doesn't have us ranked and just yell at them constantly. Um, I think in this case, like, it's perfectly excusable, you know, Syracuse was not necessarily on the radar for teams that you have to be talking about as, as, as a top 10 to 15 club. I mean, I'm not stretching to think that we're a top 10 team, but point being that, like, even national folks who, like, you know, talk about the top 25 every week and don't really have much to say about us, like, yeah, they should probably get on that soon. But more importantly, like, if we stick around that conversation for the rest of this season, then you know that that, that tide shifts over the course, course of the off season, and then everyone has something ready to say about us uh, come next fall, even if we are just on like the fringe of the top twenty-five, or more likely outside of it, but outside and in a much better place to be able to elevate ourselves quickly. Yeah, as much as it would be nice to like 
as fun as these last two weeks have been in terms of what's gone on with like the ranking and, and how shocking it has been, like it would be, I think the better place to be is we're like, oh, we're ranked again. Like it's for basketball, honestly. Like it's crazy when we hit like the top five or the couple times we hit number one the last couple of years. But right now, it's just like, are we ranked? Okay, cool, check it off. And then it's like neat when we get really, really high. But that's that's you know the extent of it. At this point, where being ranked is is the 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 norm. And when we're not, it's weird and feels like strange like something's going on or people aren't, aren't respecting the program enough uh getting there with football we're like oh we're not in the top 25 we you know it, they, they haven't paid attention to this versus like before just being desperate to snap that 17 year streak um will be a very good place to be where it's where it's less of a story that than uh than it is now agreed agreed um a little pivot to basketball here before we get to halftime and then some louisville and, and college football playoff talk um for those who weren't on the site at any point this week, um, well, for one, Syracuse tips off against uh, Eastern Washington on Tuesday night. Uh, Syracuse women's basketball also tips off on Tuesday. But uh, talking about the men's team, uh, James, our basketball editor, uh, had a really, really great feature about Frank Howard. Got to talk to Frank, got to talk to Frank's uh, high school coach, his trainer. Uh, talked to a lot of folks who, who had plenty of great things to say about about you know Frank Howard's upbringing and just kind of like the the things that he's triumphed over and and how you know he's improved over the course of his career. Um, so really great look at Frank, a guy who I think you know you would probably agree does get does get unfairly like kind of attacked by by Syracuse fans. Always have like that one player on every basketball team uh, or every like you know era for for them like that three or four year stretch that we group teams into. Um, Frank has kind of been the, uh, the unfortunate victim of that uh, since, like, uh, Trevor Cooney left. And, you know, th- this may be, hopefully, for, for some of those folks who criticize Frank a lot, and he's not perfect by any means, but for those who criticize Frank a lot, hopefully this piece sheds some light on who he is as a person and maybe has you second-guess the next time you're, uh, you're, you're shouting him down every five seconds during a game. Yeah, it was a great piece by James. I was super impressed uh, reading it this morning, and it's definitely worth the time uh, when you have a a slight break from work or a commute or something. If you, well, I guess if you're commuting in the city, if you're driving, don't don't read it then. <laughs> um, that'd be a strange choice. Um, no, I, I will always like my Frank Howard story at this point is at the ACC tournament at Barclays Center last year. Um, someone was sitting directly behind my friends and I, screaming about how Frank was the worst, literally the worst player on the roster and shouldn't be playing and shouldn't be an ACC point guard. And he was having, it was one of those days where Frank had like a ter- major turnover issue. He wasn't playing great. But it was just like, where, where have you, come on, like, we've all had frustrations with Frank and also every other player on the team. Where have you been this season where Frank is the problem with this team? He's not, I don't think he's an All American. But he's been a he was a rock solid point guard last year. He he's going to end up probably being a fringe All ACC player this year, assuming his game kind of keeps tracking up the way it has. And like for all of the complaints about the the, the one and done era, which we all have both legitimate and not legitimate complaints, like Frank's a four year a, a blue chip recruit who came in, um, really went through some stuff. Uh, there was transfer rumors, which are addressed in the piece that never came to fruition. Um, he stuck with it. He became a starter. He's Really, like, he, he's kind of like the model of, of a four-year player that you want if you are one that really doesn't like the one-and-done era. And for people to disparage him because he turns the ball over too much on occasion, um, it, was, it was so frustrating that night. And I think it was the game we lost to, to UNC. Um, but, like, 
you know, if there's an issue with the team, it never like falls on one player. And and you're completely right. There's always that one guy that ends up getting the blame. And if for so long it was Tooney, now it's Frank. Um, it's just I think fans need that outlet for some reason. But it's it's really unfortunate that it, it all, so often falls on one person. Um, so hopefully Frank has the year that we all expect him once he comes back from this injury, um, and uh, just really is able to prove those people wrong and, and is able to put in the year that I think we we'll all we all expect him to have because. He and Tyus are going to be one of the two or three best backcourts in the ACC um, in all likelihood. And, like, he was really solid last year. And if he takes that next step, like, there's a decent shot that he'll get at least some NBA looks. I don't know if he's going to play himself into the draft, but maybe. Um, it's not crazy if he shoots the ball well and, and proves he can be a, you know, big a big point guard at the next level. He has that size. So I'm excited to see him. Uh, hopefully this, this, this injury isn't uh, a long-term thing. It doesn't sound like it'll be. Um, but yeah, if you haven't read that piece yet, definitely carve out some time. Uh, it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. I, I, again, I, I couldn't praise that piece enough. I think James did an awesome job with it and got to really talk to a lot of folks. I know folks don't come to, uh, to news magician for, uh, for as much hard hitting journalism, but it was great to see some of that, uh, within our walls. Uh, Dan, you brought up an interesting point that it's something like I hadn't even like really thought about until now. Um, talking about how like for some reason Syracuse fans always need like that person to kind of like you know whip around or whatever uh just from a like criticism stance and all that and I think it's because the coach is off limits um like that's that's not the case for most teams the coach is off limits and the coach also tends to have that guy which it's probably not a like I don't think it's a Bayheim thing I bet if we were fans of other teams like you I I guarantee you there's a, a guy that coach K just will not like Duke fans just have that acute awareness of that is, he is the Coach K doghouse guy. Bayham always has a doghouse guy. It wasn't Tooney. Tooney played probably more than fans wanted, right. so he ended up being the fan doghouse guy. Um, but before Tooney, it was Stoop. Um, I'm sure we could, if we just go roster by roster, we could easily figure it out. Um, Rack and Fab both had their moments, but they ended up being too indispensable. Um, but, uh, like, it's just so, uh, it's so obvious that... Um, Fans just cling on to this one, this this thing, and and it's something that like they're not even similar players all the time. Like no, they're not. It's it's really it, it's somebody who it's always somebody who struggles early in, in their career. Like like they're thrust in a little bit sooner than they maybe that, were ready to go. Because Frank Frank didn't have a huge role when he started, but he was he was definitely a bit overmatched when he first started playing in like that that fringe rotation that you get the early Syracuse players playing in. Yeah. And Tooney was kind of the same way where he'd have these huge games, but there were other games where he just couldn't, you, you couldn't have him out there for more than eight minutes because he just clearly didn't have it. Well, then Cooney uh, had the moment to point to in his freshman year the, the, in the Final Four. Yeah, which was completely a completely unfair situation for him to be in. Like right. he was did no business being in that spot, and he was forced into it. And he was the best player in the 2016 Final Four, and still nobody gave a shit. Yep. Um, so hopefully Frank, and then and then the two are, are others a different set of Syracuse fans. Um, there then becomes a fragment that that then will praise him no matter what, and goes like as far as uh, as far as they need to to say no, he's actually good, and I. Usually, I mean, sometimes people deserve criticism, but I think usually you fall on that side because if a guy is playing so much that he's getting this crazy fervent hate from a segment of the fan base, he's probably playing that much because it's either a need thing or he's actually good enough to be doing it. So um, for Frank, I think it was it was both, but it was definitely the latter. Like he was the best point guard on the team. And if you've watched the exhibitions, and I've seen some people frustrated with the team already, I'm like, yeah, they don't have a point guard out there. Imagine at all. Look like Frank Howard. <laughs> Or Jalen Carey was playing right now, um, so yeah. Uh, hopefully, 
uh, we continue to, you know, he can kind of shake off some of that, but it's, at the end of the day, like, some people are just never going to be happy with whatever it is, so um, hopefully he, he's able to put up the numbers to prove some of them wrong and get the accolades that he will hopefully deserve, and, and, and we make another deep tournament run with him at the point. Yeah, 100%. Uh, before we get to half, just wanted to bring up one more thing that you had kind of alluded to. Uh, point guard problems. The fact that we don't really have much in terms of like healthy point guards. Uh, Jalen Carey still day-to-day. We have none of them. <laughs> yeah, we, we have none of them. Uh, Jalen Carey still day-to-day. Howard Washington still TBD. Frank Howard's probably a week out. Hopefully he can go for the UConn game, which would be nice. I um, really hope he wouldn't miss that. Now that I'm really worried about UConn necessarily... Um, but like it's, I just I'd rather be close to full strength against them. Um, and yeah, we've we've seen we've seen bad UConn teams give us fits. Like yeah. I want like two years team. ago. Yes, when that, um, the ugliest game of basketball I've ever witnessed. Well, aside from UConn, Butler. UConn UConn does not get enough enough shit for being involved in yeah. some of the worst basketball games in both big spots and like just regular season rivalry games. They drag the game into the mud a lot. That championship um, game is a joke. I, I, I turned it off so early. Is like, the wor- I've watched all of it uh, because I hate myself sometimes. Um, not usually, just that one night uh, at, as a junior at Syracuse was literally the worst college basketball. We've definitely talked about this before. Literally yeah. the worst college basketball game that's ever happened. Uh, UConn Butler. Um, just horrendous. Coming off of, like, obviously Butler getting there two years ago was annoying considering that part of it was them, you know, stoop slamming uh, Chris Joseph to get there one year. But um, at least the Butler Duke game was a blast. Like you know, aside from it being impossible to root for either of them at that point, um, <laughs> the game was fun. <laughs> like the game was good, and like I, I was clearly rooting for Butler against UConn. But like, come on! At least, at least, like even like UConn beating Kentucky, like that was painful. But at least the game was okay. <laughs> like at least it was good basketball. If you're going to like rip our hearts out for one of your teams winning, yeah, that that, that that's always been the thing with them. Um, but I, I think. You know, kind of going on the point guard thing. Assuming we can get somebody to go for Tuesday. Um, Sounds like Carey's probably going to be the first one back. I guess it's Howard Washington's like a major injury. Yeah. So you don't want to like throw him into the starting lineup for the first time. Um, but I think that'll also be exciting to see what Jalen Carey can give us as like in that role. And then obviously it's Frank's job when he comes back. But um, Carey, I mean, in a different situation, could have been a starter probably from day one. So I'm, I'm excited to see him and hopefully... Uh, the the ankle sprain, which is more serious than we probably thought. Um, hopefully, it doesn't have any real long term impacts. As as a as a former ankle sprainee, I can tell you that that does not go away unless you like really give it time to rest. Yeah, I would also think, unfortunately, the the biggest change long term from that might be we we might see a little bit less SU basketball at Midnight Madness slash no more Midnight Madness. Yeah, considering Bayheim had a guy get hurt at shoot around once and then hasn't done shoot around for like two decades, <laughs> yeah, that that might be the case. And that's fine, but I'm not stuck. It's like it, I wish it was fun, but it's um, not. it's 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 usually bad. Yeah, it's usually <laughs> it's bad. Usually bad. Once there was like a stabbing, which wasn't great. No. Um, there's always a, 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 a half-assed concert that no one can actually hear. The time they not... wanted to have Snooky there. Oh god, that was awful. Yeah, it's just like some of the, some of the stuff is cool. But for the most part, the event is usually not actually good. So if they want to get rid of it, I don't know. That's the end of the world. Yeah, I don't really care either. Um, yeah, th- th- this has been the long way to get to uh, Bobby's piece from today, uh, which is talking about how like much more versatile this year's lineup is, how many more options there are, how you know Jim Beheim's not really someone known for his like 
his cha- his ability to like change around lineups and experiment, and yet the these two exhibition games kind of forced him to do so. And I actually think we, we came out with some interesting uh, combinations and, and like some interesting looks at you know how many different options we have to score. And and that isn't to say that we're going to be putting up eighty five points a game. I I'd be surprised if we're putting up sixty five points a game. But nonetheless, like. This is definitely a team that has a lot more options. I think that was that was absolutely on display. Um, even against D2 teams, you could tell that this was just... It was a team built differently, and it's something you and I have discussed. It's something James and I discussed last week, that uh, where, where this team is much different than, than last year's team, is that there are just simply more bodies that can handle the basketball um, and, and, and put points on the board, and that's just not something that they had last year beyond those big three. Yeah, it's actually like kind of jarring to watch the exhibitions because last year we were so used to, like, these are the very few guys who will play, and now it almost feels like we have too many guys, and this is without any of our point guards. Um, seeing, like, we weird lineups with, like, Marek in and out, and, and you know, Elijah Hughes, I think, is going to be a huge part of the team, but he, he makes such a difference in these different rotations. Um, it was it was weird, because it looked so much different than last year's team, even though all the principles are, are still there, um, without Frank having played in the exhibition. So um, it's exciting, though, because if you're going to experiment, like, there's no better time, because that's what we've seen. Who cares if you have a bad exhibition? We are, we had our worst exhibition ever. Went on to one of our best seasons, and obviously that wasn't didn't end up being the case this this year. We we won both of them pretty handily, but like I, I'm all for Bayheim, you know, messing around with things and just kind of seeing what works and 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 trying out these these different uh, formations just because like there are so many different unique talents in this team, um, and you want to know like what lineups you can put out there. Uh, in big situations and what kind of like te- what kind of chemistry you're getting with them. So um, I look forward. I hope we we do a little bit more of this experimentation in these uh, these non conference teams that we get derided for every year, um, despite the fact that they're the same times that every team plays. Yeah, and, and not not to get into a shouting match with any particular ESPN pundit. No, I'm uh, sure it'll come up later in the year. So we'll see for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I already teed off uh, a couple weeks ago, but, but I, I'm sure this is going to be a recurring theme. Um, but why don't we get to halftime, and then we can jump back into uh, our favorite topic, at least, football. Um, Dan, what have you been drinking of late? Uh, Dan, it wasn't a huge drinking weekend for me. Um, I kind of you know, kept it chill after Halloween weekend the weekend before. I did have uh, a fat tire by New Belgium while I was watching the first half of the Syracuse game before I started working. Uh, and then right now I am drinking a year one black lager from Will Paulo. And then I'll probably go have some beers after this because I'm going to go to dinner. So... Um, next week I'll have more for you. Fair enough. Yeah, I uh, I didn't have much new uh, this past week. I've actually bought some new stuff that I'm going to have this weekend, um, and also going to be headed to a brewery on Saturday for a little bit. But yeah, I just had uh, what I mentioned last week: uh, Fear Movie Lions, the double IPA, hazy IPA from uh, from Stone, and then also uh, I was at the Rangers Ducks game down in Anaheim and had uh, I, I'm not big. I really don't love goose island or any abn biv brand but um it was like the only pale ale on draft so i figured have a few uh during the game so that was fun uh but yeah that's it um also while we're here at halftime and talking about beer and syracuse and this podcast um for those who are in the new york city area or are going to be uh the the you know cues in the city quote-unquote weekend of november 15th through 17th uh, we're going to be having our first live podcast um, in the city over at East End Bar and Grill, uh, noted Syracuse bar. For those who are familiar, 
Um, Dan will be there. James will be there. Andy will be there. I'm sure several other uh, New York City area Noons luminaries will be there. I will not um, due to not living near New York and having a child. Uh, but down the road, uh, perhaps. So there, we're going to add the details in the, uh, in the description, but you can, uh, you can ask questions. I'm sure there'll be some Tulane nonsense and other un- unrelated <laughs> If you're a Tulane fan that listens to this, definitely come. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, I, I might actually hit up Fear the Wave and, and, and tell them to tell people to, to show up. It's going to be after the Friday game at MSG, so a little bit on the later end, so those with children... Um, or other obligations maybe a little late for you but you know if not you know there's no reason not to show up hang out with your fellow orange fans do a little q a action uh you don't have to deal with me so this might actually stay on topic uh dan oh, any uh, maybe have you, you've talked to andy and james before right <laughs> this, is, this is true andy, andy and james are actually better at staying off topic uh than me if that's possible especially andy uh and that's not a bad thing that's actually kind of on brand for us, and really always has been. Uh, we're also going to have some merchandise. Looks like t-shirts, maybe some koozies, maybe some stickers. Um, I don't know. if There's still time to order last-second stuff, I guess. So if there's any other merchandise you might want out of us, comment. And uh, maybe we can see what we can do. They're for sale, yeah, though. We're not just giving shit away. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's come together quite quickly. Um, so it's really cool that we're able to pull this off, like in honestly, just a couple of weeks here. Um, and obviously, it's like the best possible we can do it because we have the uh, two basketball games the the night of and the night before, and then the football game the next day. Um, and yeah, so don't worry about. I, I, I mean, I think all of us will probably be at the game, uh, the championship game, assuming Syracuse beats UConn. Uh, so we will get started, hopefully, at a time in which everyone can get up to the Upper East Side from MSG, because uh, we will all be doing that as well. So it's scheduled for 10, but I think it's 10 plus however much time, you know, depending on how the game goes. Agreed, agreed. Again, I I will be there in spirit. If this goes really well and we sell a lot of merchandise, I can be at the next one. (laughs) Yes, if you want to meet John in person, (laughs) buy some some stuff or just hand us money. And then I I probably won't Venmo him. I'll probably just keep it, but. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. It's fine. (laughs) Yes, if you come give me a check, I will definitely give it to John. Wink, wink. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that, that, that's our racketeering um, for the day. Um, let's see. College football playoff rankings, Dan. Um, college football playoff rankings will probably be out by the time you're listening to this, uh, people on the interwebs. But if not, um, I think we're around 15, maybe 14. It's hard to it's hard to really know. The the committee does change itself up like pretty drastically week to week, even compared to like the AP and the the coaches poll where stuff kind of cycles through. Um, so I do wonder. Like we were obviously highest in the college football playoff rankings last week. I kind of think we will not be that will not be the case. I do think we'll jump uh, Texas and Iowa, who were two ahead of us and three ahead of us respectively. I don't know that we're going to jump like Florida. And Penn State and like I mean, we should, but I understand why we don't. Right, so I think it might be a little bit slower. I do think we'll end up in around the fifteen range, kind of where we thought we would be in the other polls. Um, obviously, ended up going higher than that. So uh, yeah, that should be um, you know, uh, and he, just being in the playoff rankings is so crazy. Um, now it, it is it is nicest. It's nice to be highest in the playoff rankings. That's what shows up now on like. ESPN storeboards and everything else, but you know beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, so uh, so Syracuse fans, don't be angry when it doesn't say number thirteen next to our name. 
uh, this week because it might not, and that's fine because it's not going to say anything lower than like 17th. As long as it's a number and not some weird like hieroglyphics, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I, I, I think we'll be fine. Um, also, this doesn't matter. Yeah, we're not making the playoff, guys. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we're, we're not making the playoff. The only thing the playoff numbers do matter for, however, and, and, and this really is only if we beat Notre Dame, um, is getting knocking into... Knocking them out of the playoff. Well, knocking them, but knocking them out of the playoff, but getting into an access bowl. Um, because if we yes, do finish... Because if we finish in the top 10 to 12, and, and that'll depend on where the other conference champions finish, but there is that, that long shot at a Fiesta Bowl or Peach Bowl invite... Um, if we get into that top 10 to 12 range, which is feasible if we go even 9 and 3 um, with a win over If we go 10 and 2, it would be kind of hard to imagine us not. Well, we're, but... we're in a 10 and 2. There's, if we yeah. went out, we're absolutely in. Um, at, at 9 and 3, it's really dependent on what LSU does for the rest of the season, what else happens at the top of this. I mean, there's most of the teams here don't – like Ohio State – is as far as like the teams that are like near the top, Ohio State, Michigan, and like LSU are really like the only teams like clearly ahead of us that have to lose the rest of the year. Like one of those, one of Michigan and Ohio State has to lose the rest of this year. Um, well, LSU already picked up another loss. Um, that's a oh, West Virginia. And West Virginia will probably West Virginia or, or Oklahoma will have. They're going to play loss. Oklahoma twice in a row. Yeah. I mean, we know this is going to happen. So. <laughs> yeah. So 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 some combination of those teams will lose. So if we went ten and two or even nine and three, like that would be the debate. But um, it's it's definitely going to be a bit of a dice roll. Um, for for those who are like wondering, because I got so many questions about this on on Sunday, while most of you were complaining about the pinstripe bowl, um, no judgment. Well, what, what a day Sunday was on Twitter. Twitter, my, I, that would have been one of the most active days for my Twitter mentions ever. Uh, yeah, I was, I was like answering things while I was like out at lunch, and, like things that I usually try to avoid doing, um, just because I felt like so many Syracuse fans had like so many things they were popping off about uh, about and, like, bowl the bowl games. Stuff is like something that is. It's probably dumb that we know as much about how it works as we do. So I'm don't I don't like disparage anyone who doesn't know how the selection process works because it's so dumb. It doesn't make any actual sense. And also, the confusion about the pinstripe bowl is very—I think it's very legitimate, considering we're a much we're in a much different place of the college football world than we were, uh, you know, two years or however many years ago, five years ago, and seven years ago. Also, as an aside, I'm, I'm like half watching this Monday Night Football game, and I'm pretty sure there have been like eight fumbles in the first ten minutes. It's insane. Yeah, I'm not watching that. Anyway, move on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, as an aside, I only watch the only NFL games I watch are the Rams because they play college football at the NFL level. What and, I wouldn't give to have Sean McVay coaching the Packers, or, or literally, all, how about every team? If you, yeah, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, if you want, if, if you want the NFL to be watchable, um, that's an easy way to get me to watch. Um, a lot of other reasons too, but that one in particular. Anyway, uh, for a quick bowl rundown, I wrote about this last Wednesday. Um, after the playoff rankings came out, did a whole graph about win probabilities, other bullshit. Um, I will do another one of these probably on Tuesday uh, before the rankings come out, just because it seems like people something people are pining for. Um, basically, we picked the wrong year to be good. Uh, <laughs> not to say like beggars can't be choosers, but like this was the wrong year to be good, and that goes for us, that goes for NC State, that goes for BC as well. Um, 
Typically, two out of three years in the playoff cycle, the orange ball is just the orange ball. It is an, is an access ball. It's one of the New, York, one of the New Year's six. Um, so it is not a semifinal. The ACC uh, champ goes to the orange ball unless the orange ball is a semifinal game, in which case the next best uh, ACC team, according to the playoff rankings, goes to the orange ball instead. Um, so that in 2017 and 2019 would be the case for Syracuse or BC or NC State, whichever one of those finishes higher in the playoff rankings. Um, Unfortunately, we are in 2018, where the Orange Bowl is a playoff game, and that means that the ACC is only guaranteed another spot, uh, well, a spot in the New Year's Six if the champion does not make the top four. Champions Clemson Clemson even suffers a loss at some point in the next few weeks. They're still going to be in the top four. Um, So unfortunately, the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl, the two access bowls that would be taking us potentially, um, or any ACC team, um, do not have to take us unless we finish ranked highly enough. So that would be in that top 10 to 12 range. Um, There's a couple other caveats here and there. Every conference has this. I know a couple people reached out to me and said the ACC really screwed up their deal and everything else. We didn't. Everybody else has the same problem. Um, just the, the, the solution is, you know, don't have your, don't have your second best team finish outside the top 12. And considering that there are five power conferences and like the top 12 usually gets you in, um, that shouldn't be a problem or at least theoretically shouldn't be a problem. Um, that said, it's been a problem in recent years for, um, the SEC, uh, until last year, uh, the big 10 at one point or another, um, the PAC 12 most years. Um, and this year, the ACC, which is suddenly in a bad spot. Big 12's also had this issue. So th- this is not a first-time thing. This will not be a last-time thing for any Power 5 conference. Um, there's also the, to wrap this up quickly, um, the, also the other problem of in years where the Orange Bowl is a playoff game, um, we also don't have an ACC Citrus Bowl tie-in. So you basically have an issue for Syracuse, and again, NBC and NC State, of having two fewer bowls at the top tier um, than we normally do, meaning that the best team, best non-Clemson team is probably going to the Camping World Bowl, and then you end up relegated into the next tier of games, which are all still pretty good, the Sun, the Belk, um, the Pinstripe, and one other game that escapes me. Music City, I think. Oh, and the Music City, true. Um, so one of those And we are games. very close to one of those and not at all close to the rest, so it's very obvious what's going to happen unless we win nine. Nine games, I think, we get in an interesting debate over the Camping World. I still think they pick NC State just because NC if NC State's within a win or two of us, it's not going to matter. Like right. they'll they'll pick NC State because they travel well, they're closer. Um, and I don't think they've been there in a, forever. Probably I don't know if they've ever been there. Yeah, since, I mean, since, a, since ten win great, so. ten win pro ten win seasons are so rare for NC State that uh, that it's very unlikely they've been there. Which is fine. Yes. So like the pinstripe feels like it's less a lesser bowl than the Belk or the Music City or um, a couple of these other ones, but they've been bumped up into that same tier as them. So they get the same, basically, bidding rights on those teams, and while they're not going to... So basically, what you what we all want is Syracuse to make a bowl every year so that Pinstripe can't take us every year, so that it's like actually forces them to mix it up. But we haven't been to a bowl in so long, and it's even longer for Pinstripe, that... It's just so obvious that they're going to take us if given the chance. And the only possible asterisk is that Syracuse is playing there in a couple weeks against Notre Dame. But that's Notre Dame home game. Syracuse is not getting a full like neutral site 
uh, ticket allotment, so they probably don't even care because there's gonna be so many fans who won't or can't go to the Notre Dame game a either because they're they're priced out because the tickets are going to be very expensive after especially after Syracuse wins it on Friday. Hopefully, knock on wood. Um, and Notre Dame, uh, who does Notre Dame have this weekend? Uh, I think they're on a bye. Okay, so there's a very good chance that they are that they're they're plotting two top twelve teams against each other. Um, no, Notre Dame has Florida State, oh, so that's yeah, a they're going to win that. <laughs> yeah, at home. Um, what what a world. Um, so yeah, the the the, no, the tickets for for that game are going to be very expensive. I don't have them yet, and I'm hoping I can go. I have to move some things around. It's going to be um, the game day game. It's going to be game day. It's going to be two top twelve teams ish. Um, it's going to be a big deal. So. I think even be, even though we're playing there two weeks before, so many Syracuse fans will not have gone that it, it might not even be the factor that some people are hoping it is when they're rooting for us to go down to, like, Belk or Music City. But, like, the Belk Bowl is going to be hard for us to ever get because there are four North Carolina schools already. Odds are a couple of them are in the range of the Belk Bowl. Okay. Plus, Virginia teams are easier to get to. For, uh, Georgia Tech is easier for them. Clemson in a weird off year is easier. So that one's always going to be tough to get to. Music City, I think, in a, in a universe we could have, but we haven't been to Pinstripe so long that Pinstripe will probably do what they can to get us. Um, I think BC's like projected to go there now in a lot of places. So, like, just keep on making bowls, and we won't go to the same bowls all the time. The problem is that we have these these gaps. Yeah, when you have those gaps, like everybody feels like the, the Pinstripe's old hat. But like, it's like when Pitt went to the Birmingham Bowl three years in a row. Yeah, like, that like, was a weird thing. Yeah, like that was weird. And if that happened with the Pinstripe, that would be equally weird. Even though the Pinstripe's a much better game, but like. When we haven't been to the pinstripe in six seasons, and and we arguably draw better than any other team for the pinstripe, then I honestly think the only team they would take it. I think, all right, I think the only teams they would like hit, definitely take over us that could go there are Notre Dame, who have played in it once, and Penn State, who have not played in it. I don't think. Uh, um, yeah, they actually did. Okay, so they did. Um, like obviously in a weird year where they could grab uh, like Clemson, they probably would. But, like, the teams that are, like, in the general pinstripe vicinity are, like, a down Penn State season. And I think there are some projections that have us playing Penn State in it uh, or a down Notre Dame season. And I think those are the only two teams they would take, maybe Michigan, too, um, that they would definitely take over us in a given year. Well, think about it and logistically. That- like, it's, it's, it's Christmas-ish travel to the most expensive city in the country. Why yeah, would so you? you- <laughs> people who have people there. Syracuse has a million. Like, we have more New York City uh, alumni than we have alumni and the rest of the state combined um and then obviously notre dame fans are alumni and, and are not alumni and they're all over the tri-state area penn state same thing michigan there's a million michigan people everywhere so yeah those are the only ones i think they would take over us and most of those teams are are usually too either too good or just like get gobbled up by other bowls ahead of the pinstripe because they have these like crazy fan bases yeah, and honestly, like you said, it's unfortunately just a bad case of like bad timing. Um, but but uh, before the season, if you told us we were going to any bowl, you would have been fine with it. Syracuse and fan also, the is fun every year. I can't. Remember, there's there has not I, the Rutgers Notre Dame game wasn't great, but every pinstripe bowl has been pretty good. Like the Northwestern field goal against Duke, that, that was a pinstripe bowl, right? That that yeah. was a whole debacle. Um, BC Iowa was a blast. Um, both both Syracuse games were way fun. Obviously, uh, one probably more than the other for the average fan. But we, I mean, it was fun crushing West Virginia for sure. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones. Uh, Who Penn State play? They played. Um, uh, did they play BC? 
Maybe? I thought it was BC Iowa. Did, has BC been in it twice? I thought they've been in it twice. Let's 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 pull up the wiki. They lost both times. Let's <laughs> figure this out. Game results. Syracuse Kansas State. Rutgers Rutgers Iowa State. Syracuse West Virginia. Notre Dame Rutgers. Penn State BC. Duke Indiana. I forgot Rutgers, Rutgers has been in it twice. Northwestern Pitt. Oof. Oh, so the field goal thing was Duke Indiana. That okay. That's what it was. Duke Indiana was a crazy field goal finish. Um, which was probably the wrong call, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, Penn State, BC went to, I mean, two two straight went to overtime, which was Penn State, BC, and then Duke, Indiana. Uh, Northwestern Pitt was a one-touchdown game. Iowa, BC last year was a one-touchdown game. The only, the only like, Rutgers-Iowa State, I think, was boring, and I think Notre Dame-Rutgers was also boring. Um, Syracuse-West Virginia was probably boring for a lot of people, but we ran for, like, a million yards, so cool. And Syracuse-Kansas State, like, I think was, on, like, in the top five of every list of, like, best bowl games that year, so... Um, we had two, we had two like crazy trip plays. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think we, we could do a lot worse than the Penn State Bowl, even if it's not the sexiest option, because it does feel like we were just there. That was six years ago, y'all. Like, that was a, yeah, we're, we're all, like, yeah, we're like an entire class and a half have retired, have, have uh, graduated from like Syracuse. Like there's a lot of people who have graduated from Syracuse since. I was a, I was, I was in my, my post Syracuse year and now I am in my many, my, my many years outside of Syracuse. So I will happily go to Pinstripe Bowl with bells on, uh, if we are there and I'll probably go to Orlando too. That's like one of the other ones I could definitely do. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for Camping World, but it's more of a hassle. I can walk to Yankee Stadium if I want from my apartment. Um, either one, I'll, I'll take whatever. If they want to send us to the stupid, like, if they want to screw us over and send us to Detroit, like, we're going bowling. I think I probably have a little bit of a problem with that at this point. But, like, we had a goal this year. We have reached it already. And we are pretty sure we're going to at least go to a Tier 1 bowl that most, like, a lot of teams in our situation would love to go to. So, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, I mean, we're also the all-time pinstripe bowl champions. If we decided yeah, to... Yeah, we would to extend our record. Yeah, and, and, and the other two teams that would... The other only team that would even be close to it, Rutgers, um, has no shot at a bowl. I, I, yeah, I'm gonna say I don't think they're they're bowl eligible. If I'm no, correct, they're, they're, they're not even close. <laughs> they are they are very very bad. Um, but yeah, we'd also be knock on wood um, if we went to the pinstripe bowl. We'd be the second uh, ranked team to ever be in the game. Um, the only other being number 23 Pittsburgh in 2016. And that was a pretty good pit team. Uh, that was the team with James Conner and uh, and and NFL legend Nate Nate Peterman. <laughs> They had a really good offense. They beat Penn State. Yeah. So <laughs> that's... That's <also> beat Clemson. <laughs> that's, a, that's something. But yeah, I, I think, you know what, like, if we finished, if we become a perennial bowl team and finish in the 6-6 six and six range, yeah, get ready for a pinstripe, quick lane, uh, maybe military bowl-like rotation. But yep. in, if we're going to jump up and win 8-9 to nine every few years, that's when a... a, a Four out of five years bowling Syracuse team. That's when that program goes to the other games. Yeah, and it's also like if we're going to pinstripe bowl every five years, it's and we're going bowling in those years in between. It's not going to feel like we're at the pinstripe bowl all the time. We'll be like, yeah, but we also went to Nashville that one time. We had that one crazy year. We went to the to the Peach Bowl, um, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I I understand why people are a little bit bitter about this because I, I totally get it. Seven and five Big East team went. How can like an eight and four, nine and three ACC team go? And yeah, again, it, it it's bad timing. And like, sure, maybe if if we fade right back into like semi mediocrity next year, we'll look back at this and go like effing a. 
like we missed our like orange ball shot just because of like the luck of the draw on which year we decided to be good. I get it, but it happens. Yeah, again, like go to the bowl game, and I, I tweeted like the best possible way to to make it so that we're not stuck at the pinstripe bowl every year, quote unquote stuck, is to like buy the allotment out, travel well, and I thought, saw this one thing. I saw a couple people tweet like, "Oh, Syracuse doesn't travel well." Syracuse football fans, they don't fill the dome that well. They travel better than they should. Well, it's also we because a, most of the people that travel aren't the ones that live in live in Syracuse. No. Yeah, the Syracuse fan base, it spreads down the entire eastern seaboard. So they are they are well represented compared to like how good the team has been in pretty much every ACC game. There was a giant section at the Wake game this weekend. Um as there oh, there's been I've been to multiple games down there. There there has always been um, we've had we've been well represented at pretty much every every one of those games better than a team that goes that wins like four or five games a year. So like that's kind of a misnomer. Um, that being said, you want to like there are like the Bulls know which fan bases really ramp it up. So come to the Pinstripe Bowl. Hopefully we have a couple ten thousand tens of thousands of fans there. Um, make a whole thing of it, uh, and and that's where you start to show like oh they will come. So let's invite them to this bigger thing. Like it's worth it for us. Yeah, and like to be honest, like any time I've been to a road game, the one one of the first things fans say is like, "Damn, you guys showed up a lot more than we thought you would." Right. Like even when we were down in New Orleans, like oh well, not New Orleans. When we were down in Baton Rouge. I was in New Orleans before that. Um, LSU. Nice little pocket there. Yeah, LSU fans said like, "Damn, like you guys really showed up like at a much higher rate than we probably figured you would, and much higher rate than even some of like their SEC cohorts at times." So like the 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 fact that like we do that, and again, it helps that we have. Like it's not a huge national fan base, but there's plenty of pockets. We have a bunch of people in Carolinas. We have a bunch of people in Georgia. We have a bunch of people in Florida. Like it's, we're we're actually like a weirdly well uh, spread out ACC stool for a stool that's not in actual ACC country. We have we have these pockets all the way down, like all the major spots of the Eastern Seaboard, and that's where the ACC is. So it works out. Hundred percent. We have a couple minutes left here. Um, Kind of, I guess, moving on from our alumni geography. Uh, lesson. Uh, our next opponent is Louisville. It's on a Friday, so everybody can complain about Friday games, except you shouldn't this time because I don't even know why I have to tell you that you need to show up if you're local. Uh, Louisville, sort of rival. Um, they're bad. We're ranked. We're a fun team. There's no reason why you shouldn't go. Guys like Eric Dungy deserve it. Dante Strickland, Chris Slayton, Antoine Cordy, like Jamal Custis. There's a lot of guys on this team that have been here for a lot of shitty seasons. Um, I don't see any reason why, if you have the ability to go to the game, that you wouldn't. Um, it's also the last time you're going to be able to see Eric Dungy at the Carrier Dome. Um, he even tweeted about it, which is very atypical of Eric Dungy. Um, I like forgot he had a Twitter until I saw that, and I'm following him. Like, yeah. it just doesn't. It like it's not like really a thing. So, um, yeah, he clearly wants people to go there. He's earned that much. There are $20 ticket coupons going all over the place from, like, if you know any season ticket holder. And if you don't, like, tweet me and I will get you in contact with a season ticket holder who will give you a $20 coupon. Like, it is not get, – just get people in the Dome. They really deserve it, especially with how hard they've played this year. Yeah. Um, that's all we can ask at this point. You have one shot left. If you haven't been to a game this year and you're in, like, an hour radius, just, just go. You will not regret it. We're going to drop a lot of points to this team. Yeah, that brings me to the box where I currently have in front of me. Clemson 77, Louisville 16. Um, and because of Bobby Petrino's buyout, uh, Louisville did not uh, decide to fire him this week. The box score, and I'm not looking at it. I wrote about it a couple times. It's like burned in my brain. 
Trevor Lawrence threw 12 passes before leaving the game. They had three rushers go for over 100 yards, none of whom ran more than eight times. That was Travis, uh, that was uh, uh, ATN, uh, who ran eight times for like a million yards and a, a couple touchdowns. They had 14 different players carry the ball. Um, they had uh, Dabo Swinney's walk-on son got a, a very uh, a touchdown carry. It was like one of the meanest things. Every time I saw the highlights, <laughs> it was just another mean thing happening. Um, Six different players had 20 yards or more uh, on the ground. Four different players had 40 yards or more on the ground. Uh, yeah, this is this is just a comedy of errors. Um, Louisville just didn't have it. I mean, I don't. I don't think. I actually think the line's a little aggressive. I wouldn't necessarily bank on it, uh, if only because our defense isn't as good as Clemson's. Um, but at the same time, like this team isn't really that good at moving the football, and they're definitely not good at stopping anyone. So as long as we don't like mess around like we have against a couple teams, Wake, UNC. Um, I feel like if we come out the way we did against NC State, I am very, very certain that this should be a blowout win. But you know what, fans, if you want to play a good team, a good program, Louisville has largely been a pretty name program for the last few years. Um, we've lost some big games to them by increasingly bad fashion. Why not? Like, what? Why not show up for the payback? Hopefully, and yeah. and, and the potential like twenty plus point win against them to get to the eight win plateau that we haven't been to, and again. Like, in the regular season, 17 years. Yep. I think there's really not a lot. Like, it's a name program that we should stop out. Louisville's worse than, than their record shows. Um, oh, yeah. You and me were talking looking, about the clown fraudulence, like, from in the opening weeks. They, they, they got blasted by Bama. And honestly, the 51-14 loss in Alabama is one of the most defensible things that, that is on this <laughs> resume. They beat Indiana State in FCS program 31-7. Fine. They beat a, a very, very bad, like sneakily really bad Western Kentucky team, 20-17. to 17. Um, They have not won since. They have not had a win expectancy per, per S&P Plus of over 30%. That was a 28-24 to 24 loss to a bad Florida State team. Um, they have, their last three games, they've had win expectancies of 2% in BC, 38-20. to 20. 2% in Wake Forest, 56-35, to 35, the same team that we just beat pretty handily, even though we didn't play well. And then uh, a hard goose egg, their third 0% of the year uh, at Clemson, the aforementioned 77-16, to 16, and somehow worse than a 61-point margin in terms of, like, how it looked. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, since Bobby Petrino's a scumbag, this is delightful. Um... Oh, it's, it's so good. And I know we won't be the team that gets him fired because they're going to wait till December. But like, and, and the team that got him fired was probably it was probably UVA. It might have been the UVA game. I think the whispers really heated up once they lost that the Georgia Tech game, sixty six thirty one. That's probably like the one. But man, like being a uh, being a part of it, I wish he would get fired after this game. I know he won't, but being like a small part of it's great. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, to, to wrap us up here, uh, just Dan, a, a final score prediction in this uh, in, in this should be very entertaining game. Uh, I'm going Syracuse uh, 59, Louisville 21. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Syracuse 51, Louisville 31. I think Louisville barely covers. Backdoor, a little backdoor cover. Yes, uh, it's, it's going to be whomever is left on that roster because their their backup quarterback just transferred. Yeah, it, it, it will be a, a, a garbage time cover in, in a move that will piss betters off everywhere. I really do think, like, I don't think this is a, a, a you know a letdown look ahead spot to uh, to nod to solid verbal, but uh, more of a 
just like more of a like Syracuse is just kind of like okay let's just get this over with uh, type situation like similar to the UConn game really like, I think had it been a different part of the year it might have been a letdown look ahead but because it's senior day it's the last dome game like I think they'll be I think they'll come out sharp you think Dungey goes ham and goes for like 500 yards and just tries to break oh, every record so. he's got left I hope so. He's so close. I mean, he just passed Braves and Donovan, I think, for uh, for what, oh, total yardage? Yeah, he's um, number one in total yardage now. He's the only guy in school history with over 10,000. Um, he's not going to hit the yardage marks. I I think he I mean, he could get to 3,000 before the end of the season. He'd only be, I think, the second unique quarterback to get there. Um, because I do kind of hope he gets to 3,000, 1,000. That'd be pretty cool. I'd like to see. Yeah, I, I definitely like to see that. I'm more, he's going to flirt with it. Yeah, more the 3,000 mark. The 1,000, if it happens, great. If not, I'm not really too broken up about it. Um, yeah, we, we've talked about I mean, as for reasons we've discussed. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think he's got some... And he's moving up the... Uh, I think he's only five short of tying Floyd Little for second most rushing touchdowns in school history. Which is, like, weird for a school that's, like, known for running backs. Yeah, I think, well, back in the day, people didn't play early on in their career. So I assume, I, I don't know off the top of my head if, like, obviously I don't think Floyd played as a freshman because I don't no. think that was a thing yet. But, I mean, I would assume Floyd didn't even play, like, that. I mean, someone can correct me. I don't have it in front of me. But I bet he didn't even play that much as a sophomore. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I think, yeah. And Jen- Oh, go for it. Off and on the whole time. So no, yeah, Dungey's been like the fact that Dungey missed a lot of time in here um, is, is is worth noting. Obviously, it's great to see that he was able to use the system to his advantage. Um, overall, really hope that, that that we see a couple more records fall from him. Um, SU is pretty close. I think uh, I know they fell back a little bit of the pace, but they're still on pace to uh, to break the record for. Uh, most for like average points per game which is like 42 point i want to say it's 42.5 something like that from 1998 um and i think going into last week they were well ahead i think they were like 44 or 45 points per game um very on brand um but yeah i think they dropped back a little bit only because they were at 41 so hopefully we uh we keep the pace going get back on track with the uh with, with the record setting season that we were we were and route two. Yeah, uh, it, it, this game should really help. <laughs> I would concur. Um, I think that's it for us here, Dan. Anything else uh, this week? No, we had a, a lot going on. This is the one of the craziest times, uh, one of the craziest parts of the year, where we get basketball ramping up and football. Surprisingly, in November, uh, still a big part of our our lives here. Uh, so yeah, very excited. Same, same, same. Uh, plenty more where this came from uh, on the podcast, on the site. Uh, we'll have a lot of coverage uh, here, especially as football and basketball are intersecting at a level that they really haven't yet to, in the history of this uh, blog. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be a lot of articles. Um, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, and go Orange. Go Orange. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break.
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.